Welcome to A Course in Miracles, Living the Love, Walking the Talk, with Rev. Jennifer Hadley. Get ready to focus on your intent to be the love, be the peace, through practical application. Here is your host, Rev. Jennifer Hadley. Bonjour. Bonjour. (laughs) Thank you for joining me transcending time and space to be together. What a blessing. (laughs) Let's start with a prayer. I'm Jennifer Hadley, and I love to pray. And I love A Course in Miracles, and I love the love. (laughs) Love to love you, baby. (laughs) Let's place our hands on our heart together and take a breath. Relax into spirit, recognize the wholeness, the infinite beauty and magnificence that is our true nature and our true identity. So grateful to let go of the false identification, the false beliefs, anything that we've held on to that's simply not true. We're discarding it here and now. We're grateful to wake up. We are grateful to allow ourselves to shed the attachments, the grievances, the sense of lack and limitation falls away. And we're truly grateful, truly thankful to allow ourselves to be united in consciousness. We're already united in spirit. Let's be united in consciousness. One power, one presence, one love. We are grateful for the power of love activating our heart and our mind. And we share the benefits with our brothers and sisters because we are united with them. In gratitude, we let the healing be. And so it is. Amen. Amen, amen. Yes. (laughs) So... The topic that Spirit gave me for this week is when I can't feel the love, when I can't feel the love. And in pondering this, I, uh, I can tell you I've been a spiritual counselor for over 20 years, an Agape International Spiritual Center licensed practitioner and minister, I got my practitioner license in uh, 2020, no, 2000, (laughs) 2000, what am I saying, 2000, I knew there was a two in there somewhere, and uh, so in the years that I've been a spiritual counselor and and a a teacher, uh, many folks have come to me uh, often on the side because they felt uncomfortable telling this to other people. But many spiritual students have come to me and said, I can't feel the love. I I can't feel love of God. I can't feel love towards another person. I don't feel God's love for me. I don't feel the love. I feel like my heart is closed and shut down. And I sense that that's true for a lot of people, many, 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 many people, that is very common to the point where it's normal. And I, I believe that many people, or I sense that many people who are walking around on this earth with us They don't even realize they can't feel the love because their focus is on, I don't have it, I need to get it. So they're they're not feeling it. And this is why there's so much focus on life is happening to me rather than by me. Life is happening to me. And the other focus is lack and limitation. Remember, I, I say over and over and over again that this is the foundation of ego thinking is lack and limitation because the foundation is separation and it is separation from the source of all good, 
So when we feel cut off from the source of all good, we understandably feel that we must generate good for ourselves, because otherwise there will be no good. So we have to make it happen. We have to make it happen. And this is a self-perpetuating hamster wheel because we work so hard in whatever form of work, whether it's we're actually laboring or we're trying to coerce or manipulate, hunt down, track down, find the good that we think will eliminate our suffering and then we get it. And for a minute, we think, ah, I've got what I want, relief. Phew, now I can be happy. But then, of course, it doesn't last, because lasting happiness is really the eternal, infinite joy, which is the presence of God within us. So if we are not accessing that, happiness is always conditional, always temporary. And love cannot be conditional. Just as joy cannot be conditional, peace cannot be conditional. The spiritual qualities of our Creator are not conditional. The truth of our identity, our wholeness, our magnificence, our innocence, none of these things are conditional. So when we think that they are, we're going to think we have to make them happen. We have to make the peace happen. So we're going to wage a war to make the peace happen. (laughs) Just think about it for a second. We're going to wage a war to bring the peace. Peace in our time. We're going to do that. It's This is how the ego thought. It's all about seeking and not finding. Jesus tells us in the Course. So, when this has been our way, and it certainly used to be my way, and maybe it used to be your way, now we're on the highway, right? Uh, And we are able to move aside thinking that what we desire is somehow a conditional state of happiness or the illusion of peace, the illusion of joy, the illusion of freedom. When we're accepting substitutes like that, ultimately we will start to recognize that we are not feeling the love. We're feeling other things for sure, but not the love. So this is very distressing for the folks that have talked with me about it, deeply distressing. They feel that their heart is shut down, it's closed, and they feel a despair about it. They feel a helplessness and a hopelessness about it. And this I understand, I do, because I used to feel it too. And it is a temporary state that will dissolve. Now, one of the first things that we can do when we don't feel the love is to stop for a moment. And it's practicing the prayer that comes at the end of chapter 5, quoted all the time. I must have decided wrongly because I am not at peace. We take that line, and then we take the line, The Holy Spirit will undo all the consequences of my wrong decision if I allow it. If I allow the healing, I can have it. I don't have to make the healing. And indeed, I can't. I can't. I surrender my attachments to the blocks to love. I don't even have to know what they are, which is just one of my absolute favorite things that Jesus makes clear in A Course in Miracles. We need do nothing. We are willing and we allow. And those are not a doing. 
Those are a being. We get into the willingness to allow the healing to happen. We call it forth. We could say that's a doing. But we don't have to call it forth. Although I I really feel like amplifying the willingness comes when we say, I'd really like to have a healing. I'd really like to have it now. I see that I have chosen thoughts, beliefs, attitudes, and experiences that are not happy-making, and I am being made miserable by them. I see that I'm punishing myself by choosing these kinds of relationships. I'm punishing myself by choosing these kinds of illness. I'm punishing myself by choosing this job and this place to work. I'm punishing myself by choosing this person to be in a relationship with. I'm punishing myself. I'm trying to wake myself up with a nightmare. But I don't have to anymore. I think I've explored that, all that I'd like to explore it. And I'm done exploring it. Now, I would like to be a disciple of my own holiness. I'd like to remember my innocence, my holiness, and my wholeness. I'd like to remember that freedom is my natural state and that love is what I am. So whether or not I can feel the love in this moment, it's still what I am. And being able to feel it isn't going to make me any more whole, any more complete, any more perfect, any more holy. And still, I'd like to feel God's love in my heart, and I'd like to extend it. So that's a place to start. If you'd like to feel more love, be willing to extend it. Extend patience. Extend kindness. Extend generosity of heart. Extend compassion. That's practicing the presence. That is allowing ourselves to recognize that we're made in the spiritual image and likeness of our Creator. What's true about God is true about us because we're part of God. We're one with God. The fullness of God it, it has already been given to us. And we can express it and reveal it. We can share it. We do not have to earn it. It's already been given to us. We don't have to earn it and we don't have to worry about it being taken away. However, While it's not use it or lose it, if we don't use it, if we don't extend love and compassion, if we don't extend the kindness, the generosity of heart, the patience, the willingness, if we're not extending it, we can forget about it. And as far as I'm concerned, What has happened to humanity is that we willingly chose to put veils in our mind that block the flow of love in our mind. So this is why Jesus says to us in the Course, Your task is not to seek for love, but merely to seek and find all the barriers within yourself that you have built against it. Your task is not to seek for love, but merely to seek and find the barriers within yourself that you have built against it. That's chapter 16, section 4, paragraph 6. He follows that with, It is not necessary to seek for what is true, but it is necessary to seek for what is false. Every illusion is one of fear, whatever form it takes. And the attempt to escape from one illusion into another must fail. If you seek love outside yourself, you can be certain that you perceive hatred within and are afraid of it. Yet peace will never come from the illusion of love, 
but only from its reality. So when we don't feel the love within, we start looking for it outside of ourselves, right? Looking for love in all the wrong places, right? All the wrong faces. So we've done that. We've done that. Been there. Done that. Bought the t-shirt, the house, the shirt, the matching furniture, right? We've all done that. So in one way, shape, or form. So we we don't need to judge any of that. It's an exploration. Why do we need to judge it? We don't. But we're releasing the veils that we've put in our mind so that we can unblock the flow of love. We decided to block the flow of love, and now we're unblocking it. There are many who say that we decided to block the flow of love, block our heart, shut our heart down because it was too painful. What we were making in this world was too painful. Our experience was too painful. We couldn't stand it. And people have had different experiences in the past, different degrees of pain and suffering. And so there's no point in comparing one to another. And we're we're all taking the same journey, and we're in seemingly different places of it, except that we're all doing it together. And there is no separate journey. There's our collective journey, and that's that. So practicing the presence is practicing extending love and compassion to another person. Let's not get hung up on how it feels, although I definitely understand that. I definitely understand that. My puppy, Bodhi, is teaching me so, so much. And uh, I'll be posting more stuff on social media. I just have been... um, I haven't intentionally been on a social media fast, but I just kind of lost interest. So I do have members of the Power of Love staff who post things on there uh, for me, but I really haven't done much in months, partly because of Bodhi and uh, because I I take time for her. Uh, and uh, she's a puppy, so she's a baby dog and so babies require much more attention than grown-ups do and that's a good thing because they're so fun and precious and uh, but one of the things I notice about Bodhi is that uh, she's sleeping downstairs now we'll see if she comes up um she when she when when she was new to me and she was three to four months old, in the morning when we'd wake up, because she was really good right away at sleeping through the night, uh, she would jump on the edge of my bed with her little paws, and she'd be wagging her tail so fiercely, and I would rub her up and down while she was standing on her hind legs, and we'd just love and love and love, and she'd wag her tail so hard she was going to fall over. And she was just so happy every day, which I was so glad for because, you know, I took her away from all the the dogs that she had been living with at the breeders. And because uh, she's not a pound puppy. And uh, that was just my guidance, my feeling. Uh, I'd love to get a pound puppy, but this was just, I just followed my guidance of what to do. So, um I now we wake up in the morning. She she knows as soon as I'm awake. I know when she's awake, but she waits very patiently, dozing while I do things like uh, I I clean out my mouth in a very ritualistic way in the morning get all the toxins out of my mouth before I start drinking my lemon water and all that stuff that I do in the morning and I make the bed and I open the window shades and I have these beautiful solar 
lights that I love and I put them in the windows to the east so they get the east sun and and then um oh I don't know and then once I get all ready I I play with her on the floor and uh, we have a little good time and I really massage her very thoroughly all over before she goes downstairs because uh, she's still not great at going downstairs and um, she's cautious so I like her to be limbered up before she makes that first trip down the stairs. I feel it's healthier for her and safer for her because every now and then she does kind of slip and fall on the stairs. There are wood stairs and um, it's a rental house so I'm not putting down carpet on the stairs but if it were my house I would do that for sure. Um, So anyway, she doesn't give me a lot of waggy tail. She, she, she will give me smiles, which is so cute and sweet, but, uh, I don't get a lot of waggy tail, but I have a roommate right now. And when my roommate comes downstairs, oh, he gets the waggy tail big time, big time. She can hardly wait to see him. She's so excited. She's so excited. She's so excited. So I, I don't get that kind of enthusiasm, but she well, she really likes to be with me all the time. It's very unusual that she's sleeping downstairs and uh, I'm upstairs. That usually would not be happening. She usually likes to be within the sound of my voice. Uh, and so I'm, I'm talking about... Uh, she, it doesn't feel like she's excited around me. I could say because she doesn't like me as much. I could interpret all of this that way that I don't get lots of the excited waggy tail because she's with me twenty four seven practically. Uh, truly, she she really is. If I go run errands, I take her because I know she'd be much happier waiting for me in the car. And I don't even run errands that much, so uh, it's. I could feel that somehow she doesn't really love me, but of course I know that she does. I know that she does. I can I can recognize it because of her actions and her choices. Even though sometimes when I call her to come, she looks at me like, yeah, I can't really hear you, and she turns away and does whatever she likes. She's a puppy, She's a puppy. I could take it personally, and lots of people do take it personally. I have frequent conversations with people who are upset because their significant other, their partner, isn't treating them in a certain way, like not excited to see them, not planning trips with them, not seeming to think about them a lot and take them into consideration. And it feels like, oh, maybe they don't really love me. You see, everything in this world is symbolic, including Bodhi's waggy tail. And so we can remember that and not get attached to these symbols at the same time, if someone is disrespectful and things like that, we can look at what's in me that is magnetizing into my experience this, this, what's going on here. For me, it's about being the love, not getting the love. If love is what I am, and I know that it is, then it's about being it sharing it, extending it, not getting it. And I but I do really understand this I don't feel the love. I do feel that it's quite common among spiritual students and people distress because the world is telling us all the time how wonderful it is to feel love and to feel loved. And so in order to feel loved, in my experience, I need to be the love. In order to feel loved by my creator and to feel loved by friends and family, let's say, I need to be the love. 
to share the love, extend the love that I am. And so that is the practice that builds the muscle that naturally dissolves and resolves those veils that we've placed in our awareness that make it hard for us to feel love. Your task is not to seek for love, but merely to seek and find all the barriers within yourself that you have built against it. So that's what we're doing. That's what we're doing. And let us not judge the speed with which we're doing it. Let us just see if we can extend love now. Is there a way to extend love now? Is there a way to extend compassion now? Is there a way to be more patient, to be more kind right now? And you'll get to find out right now because I'm going to a break. (laughs) You're listening to A Course in Miracles on Unity Online Radio. I'm Jennifer Hadley, and we are walking the talk. We're living the love, and I'll be right back. Thank you for tuning in for A Course in Miracles, Living the Love, Walking the Talk. Welcome back. Thank you for returning. I'm Jennifer Hadley, and our topic today is When I Can't Feel the Love, which is a common thing for spiritual students to say to me, at least in my experience. I have had countless numbers of people, mostly privately, say to me, I feel like my heart is closed. I can't feel the love. And what I absolutely know, because I've experienced that myself, and I have felt hopeless and helpless about it, it really was, to me, proof that there was something wrong with me that I couldn't feel the love. And I overcame that belief and all that it entailed by extending love, extending compassion, extending patience and generosity of the heart, as I've already said. And I feel like I can't say it enough because many times we think we're willing, we say we're willing, but when the opportunity arises for us to be the love and to extend the love, the compassion, the patience, the kindness, the generosity of heart, we don't make use of it. We let it pass us by, and instead, we energize what we have been energizing all along, which is that we're unhappy, we don't like this, something's wrong, something's bad, we're bad, we're wrong, and the usual just unfolds again and again and again. And then we believe that because we're experiencing the same thing again and again, It must be true. This is evidence that it's true, and it is imperative that we recognize, wake up and recognize that this is not proof that it's true, that there's something wrong with us. This is proof that it's true, that we believe there's something wrong with us, when in fact there is not. The only thing that is wrong is the stinking thinking that we've allowed ourselves to be convinced by. And as soon as we're no longer interested in that, it will fall away, and so will the manifestations of that thinking. So this is why what Jesus tells us so clearly in the Course is that we're responsible for what we feel and for the feelings that we choose. We choose the feelings we would have. And until we practice it and are willing to recognize that life is not happening to us, it's happening by us, that we're an active participant in the happening, nothing can happen to us. It just doesn't work that way. We are not a victim of the world we see. We either believe we're a victim or we take responsibility. When we take responsibility, we cultivate the willingness 
to go the other way, to change our mind. And when we do, we experience different things. And yes, I know sometimes it's very, very challenging because our beliefs feel so sticky. They feel so real. And it's just because we've invested so much in them and we can divest ourselves of them. We've invested, invested, invested. This is what we believe we are. We've made the whole thing up and we have convinced ourselves and others that this is where we are. This is what we are. This is our problem. And all of it is an illusion. But we get incredibly invested in it because we have made it. It's like, imagine that you are a fine artist. You're some kind of painter, sculptor, uh, some kind of fine artist, and you've filled your house with your creations, your fine art creations. And what it is, is it is a living museum testimony, let's say, to self-hatred, to fear of God, hatred of God, to guilt, to blame, to shame, every work of art in the house. Now, the easiest way, and living inside that house with all of these things that we've made, let's say that it's painful, like living in a house of mirrors, a fun house, not so fun when you live there. Not so fun at all. You can't seem to see clearly. There's a, a toxic atmosphere. Everywhere you turn are the reminders of the self-hatred, the self-disgust, the self-despair, all of it. Everywhere we turn. Let's say that's the house that we, we built, and we built it on sinking sands. It will not stand. We know it's not going to stand. Intuitively, we know it's going to come crashing down. It's just a matter of when. And we have the choice in every moment to walk out of the house bringing nothing with us because there's nothing of value in the house, nothing of true value, only what we have valued that is actually without value. All the false idols, all the false treasures, all the attachments, all the evidence of the cravings and the aversions and the addictive compulsive tendencies, all the testimonies to wrong view that we have built our personality upon, we can walk out bringing none of that with us and let the house doesn't have to burn down it doesn't have to be bombed it it doesn't have to explode in any way it can just simply disappear in a mist in the time it takes to blink our eyes that's how fast we can wake up if we choose if we choose everyone is on a path of awakening there's no other path so we're seeking and finding the barriers within ourselves that we have built against the perfect love that we are in my experience one of the most challenging things for spiritual students to accept is that we have chosen the blocks to love. So they can't be undone without our permission. They can't. Because in this human experience, we're the dreamers of the dream. We've chosen our experience in so many ways. And so if we have put up a block 
to insight, a block to wisdom, a block to intuition, a block to clarity, a block to compassion, a block to love, because at some point, somewhere in this journey, that felt like a good idea to us. We must be the deciders to undo it. People cannot decide that for us. They cannot take it off of us. But what we can do for ourselves and others is, and to me this is crucial to understand, we can join with others intending that we have a healing, a release of those blocks to love, and that they do too. So if we would like to fully experience and feel and recognize and know the love that we are, one of the things that we can do is focus on being willing to extend love, patience, kindness, and to see our brothers and sisters as they truly are. How can we really feel the love of God clearly, powerfully, beautifully, while simultaneously choosing to think that someone is an idiot, someone is a loser, someone doesn't deserve love, someone doesn't deserve kindness, someone should be punished, someone should be made to pay. And there's a difference between thinking someone should be punished and someone can be held responsible because I'd like to be held responsible for every choice that I make and I would not like to be punished for anything. And that's what I'd like to offer to my brothers and sisters. Compassion, correction, kindness, love, and the opportunity to take responsibility. Because that is the key to waking up in this world. Is I am responsible for what I see and I choose the feelings I would have. That responsibility for sight section is so helpful to us. When we feel like we have a problem, when we feel like we are not enough, and when we can't feel the love, we're identified with that separate self the false self. Jesus says to us, and this is from chapter 12, section 3, paragraph 6, to identify with the ego is to attack yourself and make yourself poor. That is why everyone who identifies with the ego feels deprived. What he experiences then is depression or anger. Because what he did was to exchange self-love for self-hate, making him afraid of himself. He does not realize this. Even if he is fully aware of anxiety, he does not perceive its source as his own ego identification. And he always tries to handle it by making some sort of insane arrangement with the world. He always perceives this world as outside himself, for this is crucial to his adjustment. He does not realize that he makes this world, for there is no world outside of him. We are the dreamers of the dream. We are the writers of the script. And everything that is in the dream, everything that's in the script is to help us realize that we're the dreamer of the dream and we can live a life of pure love and holiness and awakening now. We don't have to wait And we don't have to go through years and years of arduous process 
analysis and work, 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 work. It doesn't have to be that way. Simply, we give to the Holy Spirit everything that we have made that's false. And we don't have to do it like taking an inventory and listing it out. It's just whatever are the blocks to love, higher Holy Spirit self, I'm no longer interested in them. Whatever it is that's got me identified with a false self, however it's happening, I'm no longer interested. I am truly willing to let go of the world I made. And if we're honest, every single one of us, if we're honest, we get moments on a very regular basis where we get shown that we are choosing that which is dysfunctional. We get moments that we can clearly see, I am choosing something that's not healthy. I am choosing something that is not loving. I am choosing something that's not kind. I am choosing something that's punishing. And it doesn't matter whether we're choosing it in regard to ourselves or someone else, because there is no other. What we choose for ourselves, what we do to ourselves, we are doing to others, because our minds are joined. When we go into self-hatred and self-torture, then we are bringing that to the collective. If you think of, we could say, maybe an ocean or a lake, a large body of water that has many tributaries, right? just to have some kind of visual, some kind of way to look at it, we're, when we're adding to the larger body of water, our tributary of pain and suffering and lack and limitation and self-hatred and self-annihilation, of course, we're going to know this is what we're doing and whether we're consciously aware of it or not. We're going to feel guilty because we know in our heart that we're here to be truly helpful, not to add toxic waste to the field of love. And it's a good thing that we cannot add toxic waste to the field of love and feel good about it, really. Deep down, we can't. So that upset that we feel is reminding us that we can go the other way. There is another choice. It's also helping us to wake up and realize that our pristine nature, the pure, perfect love that we are, the pure, perfect presence of love that we are, is intact It's available, and we have the ability to choose it, even if we don't know how. Our willingness is the only requirement, and it can be so simple to just say, I surrender, and I am willing to choose love, whatever that means, whatever that looks like. We don't have to understand it, comprehend it, or be able to explain it. None of that is required. Because those kinds of things, the analysis, the explanation, even the understanding, all of these things are related to the personality and the ego. Spirit doesn't understand things. Spirit is perfect wisdom, perfect knowledge, Perfect love, there's understanding is for the ego, which is always grasping at understanding. This is why I so frequently say in this broadcast, if we're trying to understand things, 
we're identified with the small selfish self, the one that believes it is separate from the fount of all wisdom and all knowledge. But we are not separate. All we have to do is surrender our attachment to believing we're separate. And the easiest way to do that is say, I'm not interested in these thoughts anymore. I'm interested only in the thoughts I choose with God. We don't even have to understand what that means. We don't even have to have words or thoughts in our willingness. I am love. I am perfect. I am that I am. And I am willing to remember it. That distilled into whatever little ball of feeling or meaning or symbol that we'd like to give it, energizing that. So we can take something like, let's say, a clear quartz crystal and say, from now on to me, in this experience, this clear quartz crystal is the remembrance of my true identity I'm choosing to remember my true nature, my pristine, perfect presence nature. So when I think crystal, when I look at the crystal, when I acknowledge the crystal, that's what I'm doing. I'm saying, I am a crystal being of perfect love and light. I am that I am, and that's all I am. We don't have to figure out how to feel the love. We don't have to figure out how to feel loved or how to feel love and be loving. We don't have to figure out how. It's just about being willing. We don't have to figure out how to remove the blocks to love. We just have to be willing to let them go. We don't have to know what they are. We don't have to catalog them or identify them. This to me, if only someone could have explained this to me when I was a kid. Because when I was a child, I used to get so angry and I used to feel so vicious and mean. I used to do things that were really hurtful to the ones I loved and to the people I didn't care about. Everybody got that fetid anger anger and hatred. And if somebody had been able to explain these things to me, if I had been able to understand them, I could have saved a lot of pain. If I only had realized by the time I was a teenager, I don't have to figure anything out. I just have to say I'm willing to choose love and to keep my awareness open to the loving choices. Cultivating a willingness to make them. When I was younger and I was so troubled, the loving choices were presented to me again and again and again. But I truly didn't understand the value of choosing them. I, it, it was not clear to me in my mind. I was so attracted to the hateful, unloving choices. And then I would feel utter, utter despair. Like a complete and total failure when I would choose to be mean and vicious and unkind. Over and over and over again. To my great detriment, making myself more and more miserable to the point where I did not want to survive anymore. But once I hit that rock bottom and I decided not to kill myself, then I began to look for just the simplest choice in that moment of how can I be kind, how can I be compassionate. 
a switch flipped in me because I decided to live. And the only way I could continue on was to start to be loving, whatever that meant, because I didn't really understand. How can we really understand when we're so ego-identified and so filled with self-loathing? Our willingness is all that's required. So if you're someone who's feeling like your heart is closed, you can't feel the love, you're not alone. You're in very good company. And not only are you in very good company in the visible world, you are in the invisible world as well. And you know what? It just occurs to me, one of the things I would offer to you is to come join us in the Power of Love ministry. Soon I'm going to be opening the registration for Masterful Living, the year-long course. I've got some free classes coming up. And, you know, if you're really interested in doing a lot of work uh, healing the heart quickly, people have had great success with my Spiritual Counseling Training Intensive that begins the first Friday in November. And if you think, oh, well, maybe one of these programs might be right for me. I've been thinking about it for a while now, but I'm just not sure. Book an exploratory call with one of the spiritual counselors. My spiritual counselors who are certified, they take those calls. It's a free call. They're so happy to help you by answering any questions you have and and counseling you to your highest and best. We don't know what that is, but in your heart, it's there. We'll help you find it. And the Spiritual Counseling Training Intensive is open to anyone, anyone at all. So come check it out. (laughs) Oh my goodness. I would like to close with just a thank you, thank you, thank you to everyone who contributes to the Power of Love ministry. God bless you. I'm grateful and thankful to know that love is real. We partner up with the Holy Spirit to open our mind and our heart for real. We share the benefits with everyone. We let it be. Amen. 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 I love you. Mwah.